I want to tell you a story about a young man at the age of 22. He decided, or he had the opportunity, he purchased his first home. So he's a first-time home buyer, doesn't know all the details, and he decides that he wants to paint his garage floor. And so he, uh, you know, decides to go down to the local hardware store, and so he buys a, a paint tray, and he buys a roller, and he buys an extender, and he buys a couple of gallons of concrete paint. And he proceeds with great passion, with great vision, with great desire to paint that garage floor. So on a Saturday morning, he gets, rolls up the thing, clears everything out, and he starts going away. He puts some paint in there, and he brushes here, and he brushes there, and he's so excited, man, he can't even, he can't even contain it, and he brushes over here, and he brushes back here, and brushes over here, and he brushes over here, and all of a sudden, he's toward the end of his, y'all know where I'm going with this, because y'all have done it, don't even lie about it. He finds himself at the end of his first coat. And he's in a, the corner of the room, and there's no door, because he has painted himself right into a corner. Guess who that young man was? Yours truly. Absolutely. Man. You know, I think financially, most people approach their finances the way that I approach that Garage floor that day. Am I right? Let me prove it with some stats here. Let's just throw out some stats. Here's our current government debt is 21.3, not billion, trillion dollars and going up. So can we just all agree that we can't learn from our government on how to, I'm just, right, okay. So this isn't a political statement. This is just truth, okay. We can't learn from them, all right. We can get in it and maybe change it. That would be a thing, but we can't learn from it at the moment. Average American credit card balance is $6,300. So every month, the average American is paying between probably 12 and 30% on $6,300. That's hard. Okay, let's go. Let's keep going. Average American student loan debt in 2018. In other words, let me explain. This last year, this current year, those that graduated in 2018 were graduating with an average of $39,400, okay? And they're applying for jobs that pay them $37,400 a year. Am I right? Okay, all right, so that's the challenge, all right? Let's go to the next one. The average new vehicle loan is $30,534. $4. Let, me keep, let me be clear what that means. So in other words, when, a, when the average person goes and purchases a new home, or a new home, that would be amazing, uh, a, new, a, new, a new vehicle, a new car, they need to take out approximately $30,000 in order to drive that vehicle to what they're doing. Is that not a challenge, right? Okay, that, that financially straps you quick, which then it relates to this. Half of Americans, studies say, could not cover a $400 emergency expense without having to tap their credit cards. Okay, that's a, that's a problem. And what happens, right? Like, like, can we relate? Like, what happens? You know, we brush a little here, we brush a little there, and so we got student debt here, and then we got 
you know, we're trying to, we got rent here or our mortgage here, and then we got taxes over here, and then we got, you know, college fund here, and maybe we're trying to put some retirement there, and Disney passes over here, and then it's like, man, what happened? The fridge broke. We're like, honey, go find some paint, borrow it, get it from somewhere. We're chucking it in there, man, and let's get that fridge. And then, oh, we need new floors, and Thanksgiving's got to be amazing. I know we can't afford it, but we need a new dining table. You know, like, and so we're over there, and we're, and we're just all over the place, and come on, at the end of the month, at the end of the year, at the end of our life, we're trapped in a corner. We're trapped in a corner. And so what would you say to me? Like if you were going to coach me today, go back to when I was 22 and I wanted to, to, to paint my garage floor, you probably would tell me a couple things. I think, I think first of all, you probably would say this. You probably would have told me that I should have stopped. Before I did anything, I probably should have stopped, right? And I probably should have sought some wisdom. Like that would have been probably a really good thing for me to do. There it is. Right, like I should have found maybe like another painter or somebody that knew something. You're like, you should have just not been an idiot, right? Yeah, I'm like, okay, but you're right, but I should have sought wisdom, all right? So then the third thing I probably should have done is I should have executed not my own plan. I should have probably executed like the plan of the people that are smart in this area, right? And so can we do the same thing today? Like maybe you are financially trapped in a corner or maybe you know somebody or maybe you're not where you thought you could be. Here's what's awesome. We can today, we can stop and we can seek wisdom and we don't just have to Google it. In fact, our God has a lot to say about the area of finances. It is a major topic throughout Scripture, I'll explain why in just a little bit. And then we need to execute his plan. I'm here to tell you that the God you serve actually has a plan for your finances. And it's not simply just to give. Like he has some practical things, principles that we can learn from because intentional living can lead to what? Intentional giving. So I wanna give you some, some stuff here to help you today. And let me just say right up front, can I put this on the screen? God wants you out of debt. And everybody that's out of debt or pursuing getting out of debt said amen. And everybody else was like, why did I show up to church today? And the louder amen, probably you're closer to getting out of debt, right? You're just excited. Okay, but I, I, let me be clear. I want to break this lie of the enemy, of culture, right? Because we're not, we're not a part of this culture. Like we invade it, but we're part of God's culture, right? His kingdom, okay? So well, just, just free me up to be there, all right? God wants you out of debt. You do not always have to have a car payment. You do not always have to have a mortgage. You do not always have to have a student loan. You do not always have to tap your credit card to go on vacation. Like there is a different way, I'm telling you. And let me show you a verse. Proverbs 22.7 says, just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant, another translation could have been slave to the lender. Now let me be clear. Your financial situation is not a salvation issue. You can be saved and still be in debt. Let me explain it like this. God can set you spiritually free, but you still may not be financially free. 
And so we want you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. We want you not just to be spiritually free, but we believe that God wants you free in every single area of your life. It's important. So God wants you out of debt. And here's what's awesome. If he wants you out of debt, he will make a way for you to get out of debt. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to give you four steps to intentional money. All right, four steps to intentional money. Number one is this. We need to get on a budget. You know what a budget is? It's simply a predetermined plan before the month starts. You have predetermined where your money is going before it tells you where it's going. And there's two things that can happen with your money. You all know this, come on. You can either tell your money what to do or your money will what? Tell you what to do. Come on, and it can happen to any of us, right? We start unintentionally just kind of getting around and, and man, we just, we won't get there. And look, look, at what, look at what scripture says. Proverbs 21 verse five says, the plans of the diligent, they lead to what? Profit. As surely as haste leads to poverty. You know, there's another scripture that I hear people take out of context. They say, well, a man, the man plans his ways, but the Lord ordains his steps. And so you know what? God's in control and he's going to work it all out as if he's against your plans. Sometimes people take that verse as it's your plans versus God's ordaining. That's not what the verse says. It says a man plans his ways and God ordains his steps. In other words, it's not your plan. It's not your your position is not to not have a plan. Our position is to have a plan, and we learn from the wisdom of Scripture, right? So it is incredibly important. You've got to have a budget. Get on one. And if you need help with that, uh, we have a small group here called Financial Peace University, and it will change your life. It is 13 weeks on getting debt free. It costs you money but it will save you in the long run. And maybe you're here, I'm telling you, if you are struggling in any area of your life financially, you need to get in FPU and the semester starts in two weeks. It's not too late to get involved. There's an app that my wife and I use called Mint, M-I-N-T dot com. It's an app that you can get on any app store and you can actually, it'll bring all of your bank accounts into one thing to look at, and it's a very easy way to see your finances. It'll give you alerts when you almost, if your food budget hits the number, it'll tell you so that you can stop and don't go out to wherever you're going to go. Very important. Get on a budget. Second thing is this. Return your tithe. Return your tithe. Now, you're here going, okay, what? Like, I thought we were talking about like getting out of debt and now we're talking about tithing. Yes, and I will explain in just a second. Leviticus, Keith talked about it in the offering moment. This is our offering verse for the month. Let me read it again. One-tenth of the produce of the land. In other words, one-tenth of everything that you make, whether it's grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to who? The Lord. The Lord and must be set apart to him as What? It's holy. Holy literally means set apart. Tithing, if you're taking down any notes, and maybe you're new to the Christian faith, this is it. Tithing is returning the first 10% of your income to God. Now, let me be clear. If you are here today and you are not a follower of Jesus, I am so thrilled that you are in the room, for real. 
Now listen, this whole portion of our, of our talk that, that I'm talking about today, this whole area of tithing, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you have options. You can do this if you want to. I think it's very smart and God will bless you for it. I, I fully believe that. But listen, but, but you have not made a decision for God to be your God. So I, I get that and I'm glad you're here and I'm glad that you're discovering your faith and that is awesome, okay? So you have an option. But everybody else that says that we are followers of Jesus we don't have an option in this. Last time I checked, God is not just the God of our spiritual walk. He's also the God of our financial walk. He owns all of it. And if we're really serious about the idea that God is going to save our soul from hell, we've got to think that he can handle our money, right? I mean, we got to. It's easy to say it. It's a whole other thing when you pull out that checkbook and say, God, right away, my first 10% I'm going to give to you. It's not easy. So you may ask, you may say, okay, so why, do, why does God tell us to tithe? Like, what's the deal with that? Like, does God need my money? Is he up there like, man, I'm getting strapped. What's the, no, he's not, right? So let's be clear. God does not need your money. Like, God doesn't need your help at all, actually. He's okay. Like, he's very good at being himself, all right? But listen, he wants your heart. He wants your heart. And this is why you may, you may be here and you go, man, I don't like it when the church talks about money. But listen, the church has to talk about money. The church should talk about money because, tithe, and let's talk about tithing, it points our heart in God's direction. You know, when you tithe, you are telling your money that it will not be your God. That's a big deal. You talk about an act of worship. You can sing four songs on Sunday morning. You start tithing, God's going, whoa. Come on. And you're going, you know what? This, no longer is this going to enslave me. God, you are God of my money. Right? Important. Come on. And it'll... Love this. Okay. Uh, let me show you Matthew 6. Let me prove that, that, that point. Wherever your... Everybody say it. Is there the desires of your heart will be also? Now, I hear this verse backwards sometimes. People will say, Man, wherever our desires are, like where our heart is, there our money's gonna go. No, 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 no. Where your money is, is where your heart will go. And you may be here today and you've been apathetic towards church. You've been apathetic maybe towards the mission of God. You've been apathetic maybe towards the things of God. Let me ask you a question. Where's your treasure at? I know for me, if I could be honest with you, I don't naturally love the mission field, like, mission, like third world missions, trips and stuff. Like that's not a, a natural for me. Like I'm growing in it. Um, like to me, the idea of 10 days in a third world country, like a hut serving people and I'm taking showers with like buckets of cold water and like having to pee and poo outside. Like that just, like that doesn't sound fun to me. Like I'd rather go to a four star resort, honestly. Like, like this is my idea of like outdoor living today is like wearing this. So like, I just don't judge me. I'm just telling you who I am. Okay. So, um, so that's like me. Uh, but let me tell you what. Ever since I was young, I've always tithed and I've always given to missions. And let me tell you why I do it. Because God is, his heart is so towards missions. His heart, like you talk about at the movies, I think God's looking down at us going, come on, city church. Let's get them. Let's leverage four weeks and let's see everybody come to me. Come on, city church. Don't lose the heart of the one that's not here yet. 
Last time I checked, Jesus left the 99. He's following the one. I don't know about you, I just like staying in the 99. That's kind of natural for me. It's more comfortable for me. But can I tell you what? I don't ever want to lose my heart towards that. So you know what I do? I actually give to missions, not even necessarily to help them, even though that's part of it. It's more for me because I want my heart to be there. Can I tell you, ever since I started giving to missions a long time ago, my heart, I love, now I love missions. I love being a part of it. I love seeing missionaries go. I don't like cold showers, but I, I just, I love all that part. Let me tell you something else about generosity in this verse. It changed me. When someone offends me, you know what I do now? Not every time. But I will pull out, I'll go down to CVS and I will pull out a $25 gift card and I will give them some money. Because I don't want, because listen, they don't even know that they offended me, right? Come on. But my heart, I want my heart, my heart follows my treasure. And I'm telling you, it's an amazing thing when I write that thing and I hate it. Walking into CVS, like pull out, yeah, I'll take a 25 gift card to Longhorn and write this note. And I'm not a jerk about it. Like, hey bro, thanks for offending me. Have a great dinner, you know. Like... <laughs> I'm not doing that, you know, like, so I mean, like, it's a, it's a spiritual thing for me, but it's all, it's for me, like, I, like, I don't want to get bitter in my own heart, and my treasure goes there, so now you're like, man, if I ever get a gift card from Glenn, I got to find out what happened, <laughs> and now you know how to get a free gift card, just defend me, so there you go, it's huge, it's so, it's so important, now let me explain tithing, let me break this down, all right, I'm going to spend just a few minutes here. Let's say this month, all right, you get $1,000. Yes. All right, or this week, whatever. All right, so you get $1,000. You get 10 $100 bills. Let me ask you a couple questions. How much of your $1,000 do you own? Zero. Right? The 89th Psalm says God owns everything. All right? So... So how much does God own? All of it, all right? So can we put that next slide up? So here's, here's what tithing is. We return 10%. We were right away, our very first and our best, we return 10% and then we manage the other 90%, but we actually don't own any of it. Now here's my question. This is what tithing is. Here's my question. Can God do more with your 90% than you can do with your 100%? Yes? All the time. yes? And listen, listen, you may be here today and you're, you have financially, it has not worked out for you. Like you crunch the numbers and all that stuff. Can I tell you, you've been doing it naturally. And come on, if there are tithers in the room, you can agree with me. There is a supernatural blessing when you put God first in your lives. I'm telling you, it's, it's huge. I'm gonna, let me say one last thing. I was gonna read Malachi 3, but I won't have time to. Let me say this, this is not prosperity preaching. Like we don't give to get. So if you're here and you're like, oh snap, son, you're telling me I give 10%, God's gonna take care of everything, you're missing it. That's not it, like that's not what we're doing. That's not our motivation to tithe. You know why we tithe? Because last time I checked, we serve God. And he told us to do it. And even if he didn't bless us at all, it doesn't make a difference, he owns he owns it all. He should get it. Like it, it, there's nothing to talk about within, the, within that situation. But guess what? When you tithe, you can't outgive God. 
You can't. Like, you can try to outgive God. It is impossible. In fact, Malachi 3, I don't have time, but he actually says, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing on you that you will not know what to do with. I'm, it's the only verse in the Bible where God actually challenges us and tests us in. He says, hey, step up and just test me. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking about tithing. Maybe you're thinking about taking your next step in your spiritual walk. Test God in it. Try it. I'm telling you, you're going to find that God will bless you way more than your finances comes in. If you could say good amen to that, you could if you'd like to. That's cool. All right. Number, hey, number three, save for your future. Save for your future. You, we, we, we got to live within margin. Don't keep up with the Joneses. I don't care if your neighbor has a boat. I don't care if your neighbor has the coolest car and the brand new Lincoln Navigator. That's great for them. They're broke. <laughs> they're probably broke. And then all of a sudden, three months later, their big U-Hauls out there, their giant house. You're like, what in the world happened? Like, well, yeah, yeah. right. I'm, I'm serious. Like, they're broke. They're way more broke than you think they are. So everybody's trying to keep up with each other in this whole fake thing, right? And last time I checked, we don't need the affirmation from our neighbor. My identity isn't in what my neighbor thinks about my car or my newest thing or whether I got Disney passes or not or whatever, right? Like we don't make decisions based off of them. Like we're beyond that. God set us free from that. Can I get a good amen there? That's probably a good spot, right? Amen. So we need to save for our future. Dave Ramsey, which is the leader of Financial Peace University, he encourages you to put 15% of your after-tax income into retirement. And if you're 20 years old today, do this now and everybody else said amen. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, because you will enter into a season of generosity later in your life that will be fun if you start early, right? So save for your future, put, put margin in. Everybody should have three to six months of emergency expenses. You should have three to six months of your monthly expenses for an emergency. When is emergency going to happen? It's going to happen, right? It's not a matter of if, like it's going to take place. Be ready. You know your tires, they're not always going to work. Your refrigerator will not always freeze. Your washer will not always wash. Your tiles on your roof or whatever roof you got, like they will not always work. Like we got to be smart about that. We're going to be wise in what we do as followers of Jesus. And number four, and this is the funnest part of all of this, is this. Intentionally give. Because intentional living Getting on a budget, returning your tithe, saving for your future gets you to a place of intentional giving. Listen, and you, you may be here right now and you go, I, I, you, you can't even believe that you could be an intentional giver. I'm telling you, break that spirit of, of, of poverty off like you can. You absolutely can. There's no doubt about it. You can. I want to give you just a few stories. man. Or let me give you this verse found in, uh, I love this, in Proverbs. Can we throw it up? One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will what? Prosper. Prosper and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Isn't it more fun to give than it is to receive? I know in my own life, there have been moments of generosity that have shaped me. I remember I was in sixth grade, and I was in Miss Cuccinella's class. I was about as skinny as I am today, probably. In sixth grade, and for the first time in my history of my education, I had three C's in my progress report. 
my parents were not very happy, and my mom and my dad, they said, Glenn, if you get straight A's, what would you want? I said, I want a seven-piece pearl drum set. We had all tile roof, or all tiles in every room. Can you imagine? It's terrible. I can't believe they did it. And lo and behold, guess what happened? Six weeks later, guess what your boy did? Come on, straight A's. <laughs> My parents could not believe it. They were flabbergasted, if I could say it. And I remember coming home, and furniture was moved out of the way in our tile living room. And right on there was a seven-piece pearl drum set with my report card saying, Glenn, we're so proud of you. Awesome. It was probably a $700 drum set. But can I tell you, it was worth $7 million to the formation of me as a man as I grew up. And let me tell you, I stand here today. My, my mom and my dad, I have never had them go against a promise in my life ever. I've, I can never remember a moment where they did not follow through with what they said they would do. And that moment of generosity, can I tell you why my dad was able to do that that day? Because he didn't have the biggest boat out in the car, out in the thing. And he didn't have to have all this stuff. I remember, man, my dad was frugal as all get out. Like, I remember I was on a basketball team and we would go to McDonald's Everybody else would get a value-sized meal. And I'm like, yo, dad, I'm like, 39 cents, can I get a? And he's like, son, if you don't eat every one of those fries, you will never get a value meal again. You know what I mean? Just like, that's my dad. We had this giant, like, mountain of a TV back in the day. You young people, you don't even know, right? So some of y'all are like, you just called other people young? You got issues, son. Um, we had this giant TV, and my, my, my parents are probably watching online right now, so I'm going to get in trouble. But my mom would sometimes let me kick the TV when my dad wasn't around because we wanted a new one. <laughs> and, and lo and behold, like, like we would, we'd be like, oh, it doesn't work anymore, you know? And then, and then my dad would, like, three hours later, he's back there soldering something. Like, the Joker looks even better than he did before. We're like, we can't win. God, where are you? You know, it was, like, terrible. So, I mean, my parents have lived very, very frugal, and, and then I hear stories about how they've written somebody a $400 check here, they paid for this electric bill, and they never even told us about it, right? It just, that stuff is fun. I remember I was, I was 19 years old, and I decided to intern at City Church, and I, I lived in Lakeland going to seminary, and I drove an hour to get to, to, get to church. We, City Church had about 95 people on Sunday morning over at the other campus, and I had offers of a lot more money, even as an intern at larger churches, to go and be a part of their youth ministry. And I remember taking, they, City Church paid me, it was a huge amount of money, but it was actually 25 bucks a week, which was massive. I'm joking. It took me $40 in gas to get there and back. I was losing money. And so I just wasn't sure, you know, like, who is this City Church? I didn't know Pastor Eugene's heart. I didn't know Pastor Laura that well. And so I'm just trying to figure it out. Like, honestly, I was pretty ready to throw it all in. And I'm walking out on Sunday morning, and Kip, which Kip actually happens to be in the back left corner, him and his wife, they slipped me this envelope, and I didn't think anything of it, put it in my pocket. You know, it's weird to pull it out. And later that day, I'm driving home to Lakeland, finally pull into my parking lot, and I open up this check, and it was for $500. And the words in it were, Glenn, we value your integrity. We know, you're there. We know City Church can't pay you right now. Thank you so much for what you're doing. It was, it was, 
can I tell you, it was $500 to a 19-year-old is a lot of money. Um, but can I tell you, when I sat there in that car, you talk about the presence of God filled that room. And I, it was like the spirit of God just said, son, this is where you're supposed to be. It was way beyond the money. It was, there were, God impacted me through that generosity. And I'm here today still at our church, primarily, I'm dead serious, because of that was a turning point in my life there. Uh, let, me, let, me give you, let me just give you another story, and I think the keys are coming at some point. If not, I'll go back there and play them. <laughs> Y'all didn't know I could do that, but you'll find out. <laughs> Nobody gets up there quick. Look at that. It happened. It just kind of came to me. My wife uh, graduated with, uh, she, she has a doctorate in pharmacy. She's a pharmacist. And so she had seven years of school at a private university. Needless to say, I won't give a number, but we had a six-figure student loan debt that I got to marry into. It was awesome. <laughs> and my wife worked really hard. She still works very hard today. And so she finally got her first big girl paycheck. You know what I'm saying? Like, just, it was like, you, you remember those days? Like, you got your first paycheck and like a real job. And it's cool. And she comes home. She goes, babe, she's so generous, like way more generous than me. She goes, babe, she's like, I'm going to get you brand new custom fitted golf clubs. Because she's worked for seven years. I mean, for her, that was like a big deal. And I said, no, you're not. So we're getting out of debt. She goes, what are you, you know, she's kind of looking at me sideways. I said, no, we're getting out of debt. We're getting out of debt quick. And I said, because I want to be giving other people golf clubs. And I was, nine, I'm, I, this is just me. Like, I, I don't know how, like, I've always, this is a passion of mine. Intentional living will lead to intentional giving. And let me tell you, in four years, it should have taken us six years. The numbers said six years. But in four years, we, first of all, we still tithe. We still gave to missions. Uh, man, we give above and beyond 10% for us. Like we, like it's, it's, a, it's a value in us that our giving continues to increase over time. Uh, and so, so we, we, still get, we still tithe, even though it didn't make sense to anybody around us. Like why, you're trying to get out of debt. Why would you give God its first? I'm like, you don't get it, but there's a supernatural part to it. And so six years, it should have taken us. It took us four years to pay off over six figures of student debt. Amen. And listen, let me tell you why we did it. Honestly, it was not because I like want financial peace and so our family can be really comfortable. I honestly, I wanted to get out of debt as soon as possible because I want to give, 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 give. I do, like, I want to give. I mean, so my wife and I, just a little bit, uh, there's one more thing and then we'll finish. But every year I've talked about this at our marriage conference uh, last year. Talked about, we, we, every year we kind of, we set goals in October for the following year. And so we, we base it off of Luke 2.52, which Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, favor with God and favor with man. And so we want to grow in those four areas. And so we get practical about how that is. Um, and the, also the area of finances. Can I tell you, every year we relook at our giving number and we actually have a number that we ultimately in our lifetime want to give. And it's well over a million dollars, by the way. I won't say the number. Listen, if we only tithe based off of what we make, we'll never make it. Like we'll never give a million dollars away. Um, but that's not my problem. 
Like, I, I can't figure all that. I just, I, I just want God to know my heart. Like, I want, to be, I want to be a person that gives lots and lots and lots of money away to other people. Like, I want to give my words away. I want to, like, this, this life is fleeting. Like, we already got a mansion in heaven. Like, we don't need all the stuff down here. Like, I mean, so like for us, man, we're like, we pay cash for our cars. Like, we don't, we've ne- I've never had a car payment in my life. We figured out, we drove a beater for $1,500, our first five years of, of living. Like, and even today, we still, we pay cash for our stuff. We have literally, we have no debt except our mortgage. And we're even trying to maybe try to get rid of that. Imagine, just, it's fun, right? And, and isn't generosity fun? It's so much fun. It kind of hurts a little bit at first. Like, you ever have that moment where you're at like dinner and God's like, hey, pay for their meal. And I'm like, God, there's like seven people over there. I'm sitting down at Sonny's with my son, and we both got kids' meals. You know, I'm like getting water. You know, like, like pick a different table. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I mean, let's be honest. It's not always fun. Like, it's fun later, but it's not easy. Like, even tithing. Like, it's it's not easy to literally. I mean, it's one thing to talk about it and share stories. It's a whole other thing to sit in your checkbook and go, the numbers don't add, add up, God. But here you go. I mean, like, that's hard, right? And then, and then you know what happens when you're, at, when you're at the Sunnies or whatever, right? You're like, God picks the table out. You're about to pay for their check. All of a sudden, the, the waitress brings out all the desserts. You're like, you kidding me? <laughs> like, God, this isn't good stewardship. You know, I'm like, so I'm like, man, I came here. My meal is $16, and now I'm $122 in. Like, I'm never coming back to Sunnies again. <laughs> if I just eat at home, I can't pay for anybody's meal, right? But, but come on. The look on their face, they're like, what? And then the look on your kid's face when they go, dad, why did we pay for their meal? But dad, I want Disney passes. Do you know my, my family wants Disney passes so bad? And if you have them, that's awesome. We can't afford them right now, right? Like we, and we just, our values are somewhere else and I'm not knocking anybody that has Disney passes, but you know, my, it'd be easy for my kids to go, hey man, we, we wanna get Disney passes. Instead, we're paying for their meal. That's right, son. There's more important things than rides at Disney because God's got a plan for us. He's got a plan for you. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to be a painter trapped in the corner of a room. And I don't want that for me. And I don't want that for you. And I don't know about you, but let's be the church that pays for the meals. But you know what that means? That means we got to live under margin. That means we got some steps we got to take. That means we got to put God first in our areas of, in every area of our life, and we can do that. You can do that. You can do that. And it starts today. Would you stand to your feet all across the place and love the opportunity to pray for you today? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And there's nothing real supernatural about bowing your heads and closing your eyes. It's just a moment not to look outward and maybe just a moment to look inward. Let me ask you a question. What is God saying to you? What's God saying to you? pause. We're still got just a few more minutes here. And I'll I'll release you in just a second. What's God saying to you? Can I tell you that if you feel trapped in the corner spirit or, or financially, it's not actually the most important thing in your life. Let me ask you this question. Where are you are? Where are you spiritually? We give because God has first given us 
me ask you a question. If you died tonight, where would you spend eternity? Maybe you've lived your life like that painter, man, just here, I'm here. I'm drinks on Friday, man, family over here trying to figure this thing out. You're living for your own. I'm telling you, at the end of your life, you will find yourself trapped. But today, God wants to set you free spiritually. It's more important. Listen, you could be in debt the rest of your life and you will still be rich in God if you found him. It is the number one, way more important. I would rather you find God than give a million dollars to God's purposes. It is your soul is worth more than everything else. Every head bowed, every head closed. You hear you just say, you know what? I want to follow God. Glenn, would you pray for me? I'm making a decision today. I want to follow Jesus. Man, I'm spiritually trapped and no more. Man, I want to put God first in my life. If that's you, lift your hand. I want to pray for you. One, two, three. Lift that hand. Lift that hand. Lift that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Hands all over this place. My God. Anybody else? No one looking around. This isn't, I'm trying to embarrass you. We just say, you know what, man, Glenn, pray for me. I'm stepping out, man. I've been on the sideline. I've been doing other stuff. But today, man, I'm making a decision to follow God. Pray for me. You you can put your hand right back down. Let me pray for you. Father, I lift up every hand that's been lifted today that's making a public declaration to follow you. Jesus, let me be the first from the stage to welcome them into the kingdom as they're putting you first. God, I pray, God, as they start this life with you, that they would take their next steps, that they would do what their, what their part as they are receiving your goodness in their lives. God, we trust you for it in Jesus' name. And somebody said amen.